welcome to Great Minds. And our guest today, as we wind down season two, is the chairman, president, and CEO of the leading player in the hottest part of our business. And that you can't say that about everybody, David. I'm talking about David Field. So welcome, David. It's great to have you here. Matt, really a treat to be here. Thank you. So I, I want to go back uh, to about, I, I'm going to guess, David, is about four or five years ago, and it was an evening in New York, a Giants of Broadcasting and Electronic Arts Awards, uh, where you and your dad stood side by side uh, in being recognized alongside all the greats of the genre, from iconic names in showbiz like Jack Benny and Lucille Ball, to all the Giants of Business of radio, old days, new days, and future days. I never had a day like that with my dad, where we stood together side by side like that as contemporaries in the business. That must have been an unbelievable evening for you as a son and as a business leader. It sure was, and thank you for bringing me back there. It, it moved me deeply, and uh, to be able to do that together was was very, very powerful. And I'm a big fan of my father, who was a, uh, is a very, very smart, um, thoughtful uh, guy who was able to launch uh, Intercom and begin this radio broadcasting company in 1968 um, with a dream, a vision, and maybe a couple nickels at most in his pocket and was able to get to do the hardest thing of all, which is to start a company successfully and have him honored in that forum with such an august group of people in the room was, was truly special. Uh, amazing. And, you know, I, usually, David, when we do these, we sort of walk through someone's career. Your story and what's going on now at Odyssey almost warranted a different approach because there were so many interesting parts of the business to discuss. One of the things that, that is so interesting, and, and I saw this recently, you just bought some more stock and publicly uh, listed that you recently went back in and repurchased uh, a bunch of Odyssey stock. You believe in the company, you believe in the mission. When Wall Street people look at that, they say there's a leadership team that's got confidence in where their business is going. The stock is still priced very low. Talk about the challenge you have not being the shiny object. I've heard you talk about that. And I have an extraordinary positive view of what you're doing and of the genre. I think you guys are, are, are an absolute rocket ship that's only going one way and that's up. But talk about that challenge as a leader, because that puts you in a very unique, interesting position. Tremendous confidence, Wall Street yet to see it. And I know you have a background there, too, from your time at Goldman Sachs. So it's sort of a loaded question. Well, there's a lot there's a lot there to unpack. So first of all, we do believe there's a big disconnect between where our stock is priced and where our company is headed. And I'm sure we'll spend more time getting into that during this conversation, but we are really excited about all of the moves we've made over the course of the last couple of years, starting with the acquisition of CBS Radio, which gave us full scale in the radio business, the construction of what we think is the best radio broadcasting platform with some of the most iconic stations, 
in leadership in sports and news and a great position in music and so forth. And now having assembled one of the best podcasting companies in the country, a very rapidly growing digital uh, presence, uh, a live events business, a sports betting business and so forth. And, and yet there is this disconnect with where our stock price is. And candidly, I think we are largely the, um, uh, the victim of the pandemic, which has sidelined a significant number of our customers. And as a result, it has had an impact on our business. We've been recovering rapidly. Our revenues were up 23% in the third quarter. We're really excited about where we're headed in 22. And I do believe that our stock will uh, reflect the value that we've created, the businesses that we have built, and the power of, of the company as we get into next year and the recovery continues. Yeah, because it really is under your leadership, David. It's an incredible growth story. I mean, when you started, and tell me if these numbers are right, but you had about 15 stations and about 35 million in revenue. And now you're sniffing 250 and 2 billion in revenue. I mean, that's an incredible growth story by any measure, if those numbers are, are give or take correct. Yeah, and I think even as much as those numbers, it's the, the evolution or the transformation of the business as well to being a true multi-platform player. And so today we can serve our listeners and serve our customers in ways we could never have dreamed of before, working across all of the different platforms. And frankly, also with a, with a data analytics and attribution capability that enables us to be far more effective in partnering in interesting, creative ways and demonstrating the efficacy of the work. And um, those partnerships are what's really driving the business going forward. And we're seeing more and more of that in, in our business, working with you know, many of the leading brands across the country. Yeah, that's a great story. But let, let's do a little bit of the journey, if you don't mind. So when you took over in give or take 2002, do you remember what, what the sort of the one or two top priorities were in your agenda that year that you were looking to accomplish? Frankly, no. <laughs> You're going back into the... Um, the, uh, the big issues of the day. Maybe that's a fairer question. The What's big that? Issue. I'm sorry. Maybe the big issues of the day. Maybe that's a fairer question. I, I mean, look, we at the time, we were very, very focused, of course, on building great local radio brands that resonated with our local customers and our local listeners. And that is still very much a core element of who we are today. And I think one of the great strengths of the business is that we are, we still have that incredibly powerful um, set of local connections. And so I think about, and here's, here's actually a great illustration of your point. If we go back to right around that era, I think it was 2000 and right around 2002 when Hurricane Katrina hit uh, New Orleans, uh, our, one of our stations, uh, WWL, which is sort of the voice of the Gulf South, was the lifeline that remained on the air at a time when newspapers, phones, radio, TV, everything else was out. And we were able to provide true, literally life-saving uh, information connecting the sheriff department and all sorts of first responders with listeners in, in powerful uh, ways. And then you fast forward into a much more modern world and you think about what happened when, when Irma uh, came through earlier this year. And 
you wonder, well, has life evolved to the point where radio doesn't resonate in the same way that it did then? And it turns out Irma was, it, it, WWL once again was the only media outlet that stayed um, on during that uh, catastrophe as well, serving the same function to, to, the, to, the, to the audience. So even as things change, and even as though we're a very different company today with a broad set of capabilities and business lines that we never had before, uh, at our core, we are still that incredibly uh, resilient local media that does great things for our listeners, for our communities, and for our customers. So you hit on an interesting business point that I want to uh, go back to. Um, without question, you are the national leader in music, news, sports, and now podcasts. You're that lifeline. I love that story you told about you know, what happened in Louisiana during a time of tragedy. You're also very susceptible to economy changes in a different way because you're national, but you're also local. Talk about how you navigate in your sales team, and I think they do a brilliant job, navigate that juxtaposition of big national partnerships uh, for many of your assets, but you're also selling locally on a really grand scale. So that's, that's, the, that's the art of it, right? Is taking, having that local connectivity, but at national scale and being able to aggregate all of the local influencers, the great personalities we have who are stars in their respective markets and who can move uh, the needle for our customers. And then to couple that with our national platforms. And so our podcast and the influencers like the Emma Chamberlains, like the you know Kevin Durant's of the world, the Glennon Doyles who are our, our national podcasters and being able to put together a unique set of uh, capabilities to work creatively with customers. And that is, frankly, it made our business much more creative and much more interesting to be able to connect those local and national dots in, in, in ways that create great impact for our partners. It's a great story. So when we talk about the different genres of the media, we started Advertising Week a few years after you took the, the helm at Entercom. And we started 2004. And during that time, when we tell our you know, story just at 30,000 feet, certain genres of the media navigate digital transformation very well and others less well. Audio, you can argue, has navigated it better than anyone. You know, in my view, again, at 30,000 feet, much better than the magazine industry, much better than the newspaper industry, you know, in broad general terms. Uh, and there was a quote I read from an institution I know you also love, the Library of Congress, that their mission to reshape the present and transform the future. And in thinking about the Odyssey evolution and what you've done over the last 20 years, David, that's really what you're doing at Odyssey. And it's an amazing story, especially going through what you just did with a rebrand in the midst of a pandemic. I mean, uh, that's a hell of an achievement. So we reached the point where our name no longer fit us. And Intercom really was a house of brands historically. And we never really championed the name Intercom as our consumer facing or even business facing name. And 
it was time for us to um, find a name that reflected who we are today and where, where we are headed. And to your other point, what is extraordinary today is how audio has thrived uh, and might be the most exciting area in media today. And certainly others could, could argue with that, but the fundamental emotional connection and the companionship, the theater of the mind, you know, some of these attributes that bring great audio to life and whether those come over a digital pipeline or over a broadcast pipeline, so to speak, or via podcast, at the end of the day, it's about human connection and talented people communicating and talking to each other in ways which um, have a profound impact on us as human beings. And never have we seen that more true than over the last year and a half when we have struggled as a society with the pandemic and the impact it's had on how we connect with each other. And audio was shined. And I think it bodes really well for where we are headed as a company and where audio is headed as an institution. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's a, a great success story. And we were very proud to partner with your team at Advertising Week last month at Hudson Yards. And we, you know, really were in the deep end of the audio pool all week long from a thought leadership vantage point. And it's a fascinating, very much evolving story, in particular, how brands are really now putting you often at the center of their plans. I think you're sort of in the middle of the bullseye now in many, many media plans around the country. Well, but it's, there's still a lagging effect, right? I mean, it's, it's interesting for us to look at how disrupted the media landscape has become and how audio has emerged as not only radio being the number one reach medium today, but also the, the creativity and the ROI of audio today greater than ever before because of all that innovation that companies like ours and of course, many others are, are working on as well. And yet there's still a certain amount of friction in the system whereby I think advertising dollars have not flown to audio anywhere near um, as much as they perhaps should and perhaps will. And maybe the best example or best illustration of that is the recent uh, uh, work study that came out, I guess, a couple months ago that showed that, uh, and I forget the exact numbers, but over 30% of people's time today is, is in a, with audio, and yet only about 12% or so of the dollars are flowing to audio. So we think that bodes extremely well for our future as, as the market reaches a new equilibrium that I think reflects the true uh, attributes of the various competitive media. Yeah, I, you know, it's interesting because it's been the struggle of radio. I know you're, you know, involved in the trade group, the RAB we've partnered with, you know, for many, many years. It used to be much sure. more prominent with us, actually, in the earlier days uh, of Advertising Week. And they've been struggling to tell that same story. Do you think all the energy and the money that is around the podca podcasting ecosystem, do you think that might be a surfboard that you could ride to really reduce that inequity and in share of revenue? No question. And, and I, I, I don't want to mischaracterize the, the situation. There's absolutely an acceleration and a trend as more and more advertisers are expanding their budgets in audio and exploring going deeper. So we are absolutely seeing that. And it's made a big difference for us with a, a notable number of, 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 of uh, outstanding 
uh, brands across the, across the country. But that said, I still think there is a lagging effect. And that while the podcasts are absolutely opening a lot of doors, digital audio is opening a lot of doors. Having a more robust set of data, analytics, and attribution information is definitely opening doors. But it's, it, it will take time, I think, for the market to fully catch up with the true value uh, the, the true value equation that is, um, you know, offered up by uh, by audio today. And David, you've assembled a, a, a really world class leadership team, but it requires skill sets in sort of the old world and the new world. You're you're you know, there's still a lot of money in them Nar Hills of local ads on WFAN. You know, I have to believe. Um, and I'm a long time uh, long time listener, I should say. I won't say. Have for- you called? Have you ever called in? Yeah, that's it. it, I don't think I ever have. I don't think I ever have, but a long time. Never too late. I'm glad you let uh, Steve Summers retire, you know, with dignity in the right way and let him have a nice exit. I remember listening when you guys first came on the air all those years ago and Joel Hollander and that whole team was there many years ago. So the skill sets though, very different. You've got to, you've got to have people who are sort of protecting that core business, that local business, but also navigating the company forward around digital audio, around podcasting. I know you've made some brilliant acquisitions there. Talk about as CEO, putting that team together because it requires a lot of skill sets and reduction of friction, which I'm guessing has to start with you and your leadership. It is a challenge, right? Always to be moving as fast as we have been moving. We have been very fortunate to uh, bring in some outstanding talent uh, in some of our recent acquisitions. And so, you know, leadership from C13, uh, from Podcorn, from Pineapple Street, um, and now our latest acquisition, Wide Orbit's digital audio tech business, which we've renamed Amper, Amperwave, as well as BQL, our, our uh, sports betting uh, company. So we brought a lot of talent into the organization through those acquisitions. And we've also been very successful in bringing in uh, a number of other leaders, most recently uh, Brian Benedict, who was the uh, global CRO for uh, Spotify, um, joined us, uh, in fact, just uh, just in the last week. And I think it reflects the fact that people have a great uh, appreciation for where we're going. And they see all these pieces coming together. They see what we're putting together and how we are uh, so well positioned to serve audiences and serve customers and serve communities with this unique set of businesses that we've assembled. And they want to be part of that. And they want to be part of the leadership on that. And we have a very collegial leadership team in this organization. And I'm just really blessed and grateful that we've been able to assemble so much talent that is doing such great work, moving us forward as fast as possible. So you mentioned Pineapple Street and some of the Iraq other acquisitions in the podcasting space. If we could stay there for a minute, I'd love to talk about those acquisitions because you continue to turbocharge your own growth, both from within organically, but also through some pretty smart and clever acquisitions. Uh, No question. So podcasting is, I think, probably a great example of that. So in order to uh, enter the podcasting business, we made early moves to acquire uh, C13, Cadence 13, and Pineapple Street, as you mentioned. And we've substantially increased the investments we're making in their content development and are producing originals at a pace that dramatically exceeds what they were funding uh, 
in the you know when with the time we acquired them. But we've also now gone off and moved organically to launch 2400 Sports, which is our new sports uh, podcasting studio. Uh, recently launched a uh, our first product there, The Run, which captures the Chicago Cubs recent World Series run. And that's through an exclusive partnership we have with Major League Baseball. We're their official podcast partner and their official digital audio partner. And as we continue to build around partnerships like that, and then uh, American Public Media, we landed a deal earlier this year to be their exclusive um, partner as well. And uh, we work with so many incredibly talented people like John Meacham, and I don't even want to go through the list because there are just too many to mention, and I will, of course, forget some and don't want to do that. But what I think we've tried to do, Matt, and I think we've been successful in this, is really focusing on quality and premium work. And We've tried to bring in the highest caliber content creators and working with really smart and talented partners. And that's why HBO selected us to be their partner in doing the Succession Companion podcast that runs each week with, uh, with Kara Swisher. It's why companies like Nike and Netflix and Apple and Amazon and others have worked with us and taken our original content and or partnered with us um, uh, to, to work with their leading programs. And I think that's a great reflection of the quality of work that our team does and why, and we think that's the right part of the market to be in, right? To be in that high-end premium quality because the market will ultimately shake out, right? I mean, there, God knows there are enough uh, podcasters in the world today. And I think that if you bet on the smartest people, the most talented creators, the most talented uh, publishers, uh, I think you'll always win. So talk a little bit about the business side. There are some absolutely, again, from the outside looking in, some absolutely wacky deals that have gone on in the space. $100 million deals, at least what's alleged in the trade press. And my first thought always is, I don't know how they're going to make their money back when that type of money gets committed to you know, one particular star, just like, you know, signing a, a baseball player to a 10-year contract. I can't think of one instance, you know, where that's ever worked out, where the player has managed to sustain, you know, that kind of performance for 10 years. What's your take on all that? Is that just a cost of doing business now? Or do those deals actually stand the chance to make a profit? So as we know, this is typical of almost every new wave in media where uh, a market takes off and explodes and a number of players uh, seek to build out strong, sustainable positions. And there are a lot of people deploying different strategies around that. What I think distinguishes us and gives us a great position for the future is that because of the fact that we have close to 200 million people already consuming audio with us, uh, you know, on a regular basis, uh, because we have that bully pulpit to be able to promote new titles and new original content, because we have both a local and national sales force uh, deployed all across the country to be able to monetize it. Um, we have the ability to be able to stretch where we need to, to bring in really terrific marquee value talent, and at the same time, develop organically a really powerful, diverse set of content 
to target all sorts of different audiences and all sorts of different genres in a manner which is, is very sustainable and significantly higher margin. And so we are, you know, we believe that uh, the business is currently profitable and we believe it will continue to become more profitable over time and think we are exceedingly well positioned to be able to uh, be a leader in the space for, uh, you know, for, for years and years to come. It's got to be an interesting sort of whiteboard in your office between the local businesses that, you know, where media sold still mostly like it has been for a number of years. And then the whole podcasting space from a creative and then a business vantage point working with brand partners where the piece of paper is completely clean and you're creating something from nothing in effect and a chance to do it at a higher margin. Sure. But it's also think about the fun we have in creating great content, leaning into both sides of the house, right? So I mentioned before the run in Chicago. Well, the score happens to be one of our stations among our eight stations in Chicago. They have been the home of the Cubs for many, many years. They are the sports station in Chicago. And so we're able to take original content from the score from you know the, the run in, back in 2016. In addition, we're able to lean into major league baseball content through our partnership with them both exclusive sets of content and create a, what is a truly um, outstanding series of programs. Similarly, uh, we recently released uh, in Seattle a podcast series on the grunge uh, scene in the 1980s featuring the Nirvanas, the Pearl Gems, the Allison Chains and so forth of the world. And that leans heavily into the archival materials and the personalities who are on KISW, which were, and, and the end, two rock stations in Seattle that we're fortunate to own that were at the heart and soul of that incredible period of music in our world. So we're able to develop a tremendous number of great storylines um, organically and pull across the platform in interesting ways. And we think it's just the start of what's to come. Great stuff. So the competitive landscape has really evolved since you started. In from the traditional side, there are a lesser number of players, but you have a whole new genre of competitors. What keeps you up at night the most when you're thinking about competitors? Who do you worry about, if anyone? Uh, I'd be lying if I said I wasn't worried or that uh, I slept well. I worry all the time. So let's uh, confess. I'm happy to confess my worries sure. as well. Look, it's a very competitive world out there today. And there are some but really smart. What's that? And it's changed quite Absolutely. a bit. Absolutely. There's some smart. There's some very smart companies out there doing really interesting things. That said, we think that we have a number of really powerful competitive advantages through the power of our local brands, uh, the heritage of those stations, the quality of the talent in this organization and the product and the, and the you know, premium content that we're developing, our local sales force, all those other pieces, and believe that the market, we're in the midst of, of, a, of a, maybe what will be the, the, the best and most exciting period of audio ever. And that our company is well positioned uniquely in certain respects to be um, not only to be to be one of the companies that can really thrive in this golden era, upcoming golden era for audio. 
Yeah, no, I think it is a coming golden era. All right, that was brilliant. You didn't answer me at all, but it was a great answer to a different question. So I'm going to accept it, and I think we'll move on. Yeah, I, it's it's. Uh, let's do that. <laughs> okay, you deal. I, I think you successfully dazzled me. It was like uh, watching Lydell Mitchell run around the outside in the old uh, Baltimore Cults days. No, but, well, but are I, you an Eagles fan? Let me. Today? I, my, my, my intent was not to, to not to deflect from your question. I mean, I I don't think it's a one. I don't think it's a winner winner. You know, winner eats all, or you know, winner take all environment. I think that one of the things we've seen in media is um, that. There are room for many winners. I mean, I look at the video landscape today, and I don't think that Netflix or Amazon or Apple or NBC Universal or any of these companies are positioned for what is ultimately going to be a winner-take-all uh, outcome. I think what we're seeing in the marketplace is that the American consumer seeks great video content, and they and the American consumer is willing to work across multiple platforms to seek that great content. Um, yeah, we believe we are the number one creator of original premium audio content in the country, and certainly others can debate that. But we believe that when the dust clears, there are going to be a small handful of scaled multi-platform audio companies, all of which should be creating great value for their shareholders and delivering great product to their listeners and great uh, you know, value for their subscribers and their customers. And you know, believe that we are exceedingly well positioned to be one of them. Yeah, and I think what you said before is a great point and a great competitive advantage that you have that you're not trying to drive people to your destinations, right? They're already there. You've got an audience of 200 some odd million in every market in the country. And that power that you already have, that audience you already have across music, news, sports, that allows you to transition them with a first mover advantage almost, David, into all the new things that you're doing. Absolutely. And you like take New, take New York as an example. I mean, you mentioned before, but having WFAN is an incredible platform that has been an institution and an important channel for millions of New Yorkers for generations. The same is true of 1010 Wins and WCBS. WCBS FM has been the home of classic hits for a couple of generations now. And in addition to other music stations in New York. And so it is, you know, we come from a position of great strength um, in every, essentially every large market in the United States. And then again, when you add in our live events, our podcasting business and so forth, it's only grown from there. So you just uh, hit where I wanted to go next, live events. You guys have been doing some ter terrific stuff there. And as I recall, you had a big success recently at the Hollywood Bowl. Uh, that's pretty big time. So we, um, we are back in the live events business and delighted to be doing that. We took uh, about a year and a half off for obvious reasons. And it's such an important part of how we roll as a company. And if you look at the event you're referring to, We Can Survive, which was a, a benefit concert that we did for mental health uh, around our I'm Listening efforts, which is an important part of our, our some of our the community uh, work that we do uh, around the country. And it headlined, uh, headlined by Coldplay, Maroon 5, Shawn Mendes, Doja Cat, Black Eyed Peas, et cetera. And, and it was one of a handful of shows we've kicked off this fall. 
And um, we're just excited for what we hope will be a more normal uh, calendar in 2022. Keep our fingers crossed. Fantastic. And going forward, as you're laying out your plans for 2022, like all of us, we're watching, you know, the news and listening to the news on a daily basis. But are you planning to sort of bring people back to the office, bring back the live events? What parts of COVID life do you think are sticking for Odyssey? And where are we moving forward? Perhaps in some ways like we used to, perhaps in some ways differently. Yeah, I think I personally am a big believer in the power of human connection. And we began bringing our people back. Well, first of all, many of our people never left, right? You think about the essential service that our news journalists and our personalities provide. Those folks, even in the worst uh, days of the um, pandemic, were coming into the office every day to do their jobs and serve the public. And we built from that base and brought everybody back as of Labor Day this year. And we're in a hybrid mode where folks are coming in three plus days a week. And we think that it's a big mistake, organizations that are thinking about being remote permanently, because we think you lose a lot and we don't have to go down that rabbit hole here today, but for a lot of reasons that a lot of uh, people have, have articulated very eloquently, we lose something as a society. And I think our businesses lose something as cultures and I think certainly younger people getting into the workplace today will suffer if we do not create an environment where people can thrive and engage and connect and grow and learn and prosper. Yeah, I, I could not uh, agree more. We've similarly have brought our folks back. And I think a lot of the younger folks who talk about, you know, uh, that they never want to go, I think they don't understand what they're really saying. And, Maybe I'm showing my age there, but I, I could not agree with you on the importance of human connection and learning from colleagues and the serendipity of the unplanned. You know, Zoom by definition is planned. A conversation that just happens because you ran into somebody in a different part of the office, that can't happen through this medium. Could not agree more. Great. So David, you, what else, when you look out at the field of uh, expansion for you? Do you see further acquisitions? Do you see, you know, moving in a particular direction? I know data and analytics so important that you've really, you know, beefed up your, you know, capabilities there and ability to turn around strong analytics. Where do you see the growth coming from? And are there any particular, in general, things that you're looking at to get a little deeper, a little stronger on? Yeah, so we've seeded our growth in some of the fastest growing areas of all media, right? So if you think about us as a important emerging player in sports betting, in podcasting, in digital audio, in digital marketing solutions, and in live events, you know, we are, I think, well positioned with important presence in each of those businesses that really bodes well for our future. And then you've got our broadcast radio business, which is not the shiny new toy today, but in my estimation is far and away the most undervalued of all media. And, you know, we do live in a, again, a, a shiny new toy kind of world. And what people miss is that if I'm listening to Boomer Esiason, uh, who you listen to on WFAN, but if I'm listening to Boomer talk to me about a product he loves over a broadcast radio station, 
or streamed through the Odyssey app or on a podcast that he happens to be doing, the identical ad is going to have the exact same impact on me as a consumer. And yet we deem the second and third of those to be very sexy and we deem the first to be, you know, a little less so. And I think that the marketplace ultimately will, particularly in a world in which so many other media have been so disrupted, I do think we're going to see more dollars flowing holistically across all of our platforms because we're able to deliver today at scale, you know, impressions against on all of those platforms. And so I think you're going to see the growth coming um, holistically uh, throughout our organization, perhaps driven by some of the sexier components, but fundamentally enhanced by the reach and the extraordinarily high ROI from our core business. It's a great, it's a great story. Well, David, thanks so much for doing this. It was a real, it was a little more hard hitting than we uh, usually are on Great Minds, but I, I think we covered some great stuff and I love what you're doing. You are the leader uh, in the industry and I meant it. I think you are the number one player in the hottest, most interesting space in our business. And I'm a, a big fan of what you do. I love the Odyssey app. I'm a, a regular user in my car because my car doesn't really have a radio anymore, which is odd, I think. As long as you're using our app, we're good with that. So, uh, Yeah, no, that doesn't matter anymore. You, you, there's, a, there's always a, a way forward and the Odyssey app is, is super user friendly. So every success and thanks for doing this. Matt, it's been a real pleasure. Thank you so much for all your kind words and um, appreciate it.